I'm so excited to be speaking to you today on the third and final part of our series, How to Be a Model Christian. We are going through the book of 1 Thessalonians, one of the earliest letters that Paul wrote to one of the first churches in the New Testament. For the past two weeks, we have read that the Christian life is marked by two great distinctives, hope and holiness. In part one of this series, Miles talked to us about the three pillars of Christian living, faith, hope, and love. In the end, Christ will come to make everything wrong right. Today, you can have this hope that endures. In part two, Abby spoke to us about how God meets us where we are, but doesn't leave us where we are. His desire is for us to grow, to become more like Him. And today, for the final part of our series on Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, we read about how as followers of Jesus, we don't only have a future hope or a growing holiness, we have a present joy. I want to speak to you today on the three secrets to joy. Spoiler alert, they are right there in the text we're about to read. So why don't you join me as we read from 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 to 18. Verse 12. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Verse 16, rejoice always. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How do we grow our joy in a time of pain? In the context that Paul is writing this letter, the church in Thessalonica is going through a really difficult period of persecution. They're going through a time of separation and uncertainty. For them, nothing seemed to make sense. The SOPs they received from the authorities were more, that, more like shifting operating procedures. The leaders they looked up to were driven away from them. Life just didn't seem very joyful. I wonder if you, like me, have struggled with the idea of joy in this past year. As Paul gives the Thessalonians a model for how to be a Christian community, his encouragement builds to this crescendo of what it means to live a distinctive Christian life. He says these three things. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. These are surprising words given the fact that the Thessalonians were going through a really difficult time. They even sound slightly insensitive, like joy is almost forced on you in your pain. A little bit like this. When Paul wrote that we can rejoice always, it didn't mean that we should rejoice for our pain. He meant that we can rejoice through our pain. Joy is not a feeling, but a focus. It's not the result of our circumstances, but the resolve 
of our character. And that's why the first secret to joy is its verb, rejoice. Dallas Willard wrote that the ultimate freedom we have as human beings is the power to select what we will allow or require our minds to dwell upon. This is why Paul writes about joy as if it's an act of the will, not the answer to a wish. Joy is activated actively, not received passively. Later on in Paul's writings to another church in Corinth, he would write about joy as a fruit of the Spirit. He would write about joy as a focus to cultivate, not a feeling to experience. You see, God gives us the gift of joy. In Christ, it is our default setting. But it is not only a gift to receive, it's a garden to tend. I recently received this gift of a plant. And we have a few pots of plants outside our home. Every time I watered a plant, I realized that it's so easy to, to realize how much I can't take credit for my plants. And at the same time, just how much I'm needed to do. You see, the, the seeds of this plant, they didn't come from me. I can't actually produce any sunlight for the plants. I can't even take credit for the water I pour on my plants. It comes from the tap that brings water from the river. I can't, on my own strength, create this plant. It came to me as a gift. At the same time, this plant needs me to tend to it to grow. The sunlight doesn't belong to me, but I need to put it under the sunlight. I need to take the water from the tap to nourish it. There's no way I can will this plant into existence. And yet there's no way for this plant to continue to exist if I don't exercise my will to, kick, to take care for it. This is why joy is a gift to grow. In Christ, we receive the gift of joy. It's our default setting. It's also our responsibility to cultivate it. You see, joy is both a gift and a practice. So Paul writes, to grow your joy, rejoice always. In the original Greek language, the word rejoice really means to be conscious of God's grace, to see the world through the lens of gladness. Today, where can you spot God's grace? It's been said that everything you appreciate, appreciates. His will for you is to enjoy life always, to be grace conscious, even when circumstances are bad, especially when circumstances are bad. This is why Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6 verse 10, we are sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Not or, but yet. The lead singer of U2 Bono once said, joy is the ultimate act of defiance. Today, God calls us to live countercultural, courageous lives of joyful defiance. This is not a naive happiness, but a resilient joy. What's interesting is that between verses 12 to 15, everything that Paul encourages the church to do can be viewed through the lens of grace and gladness. In verse 12, Paul writes, We ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. He writes, Hold them in the highest regard because of their work. You can see your leaders through that lens of gladness. In verse 13 to 15, he, he writes, Live in peace with each other. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Basically, give kind feedback to help each other grow. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. 
Be patient with everyone. Verse 15, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. These practices ensure we tend to the garden of community. Basically, they're how we grow a healthy team culture, a people of joy. The second secret to joy is to pray continually. Now, this again is surprising. Can we really pray nonstop? Paul doesn't actually mean that to cultivate joy in the Lord, we have to drop everything we do and make every week a 24-7 prayer week, except you're taking every slot of the day. What he means is we can live like our life is a prayer. Prayer is not something that you do with your eyes closed and hands put together only. It is a realization of God's presence, the drawing nearer to who he is. This means prayer is both talking to God and prayer is being with God, being aware of what he's doing, listening to him. And today, right now, you can let God into your life. You can live in the presence of God. You can know him personally, not just intellectually. And as you come close to God, you come close to joy. C.S. Lewis wrote, good things as well as bad are caught by a kind of infection. Yikes, that's a bit close to home. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to get wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. God is the most joyful being in the universe. He radiates joy to the world. And the evidence of God's presence with you is joy in you. In Psalm 16, it says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The secret to joy is letting God in. How do we do that? You can invite him right now, wherever you are, to speak into your circumstances. Just pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, I need you now in my life, in this struggle that I'm facing, in this conflict in my friendship, in this challenge in my family and work. Jesus said in the Gospels, ask and you will receive. And if you ask for his presence, you will receive him. If you'd like someone to pray for you right now, you can even request for prayer at this moment. There's an online team on Church Online ready to pray with you. Jesus never requires us to do anything for him without doing what is necessary for us to abide in him. And before God gives us a vision, he always gives us the provision. So joy grows with rejoicing always and praying continually. The third secret to joy is to give thanks in all circumstances. Gratitude is not the result of gladness, it is the cause of gladness. It's been said that the easiest way to feel rich is to count the things in your life that money cannot buy. If joy had an expression, it would be, thank you. When you give thanks to what, for what you have, you can cultivate contentment. When you give thanks for the people around you, you cultivate encouragement. And when you give thanks to God, you cultivate worship. So give thanks in all circumstances. 
when I was 18, a mentor asked me a question I did not expect to receive. She said, Abel, why are you so angry and intense? You were a happy child. I saw you growing up, but now that you've grown up, you're so serious. You know how I responded to that? I got angry. How dare you? But soon I realized I had bought into some faulty thinking. I had always thought that growing up, getting older, meant taking life more seriously. The knocks and the hits of life would make you wiser, sharper, and maybe a bit more refined. But you know, Paul doesn't write about joy as inversely related to maturity. In fact, Paul writes about joy as a fruit of maturity. The knocks and the hits of life, they don't make you boring, they make music and meaning. The more spiritually mature you are, the more joyful you become. The less seriously you take yourself, the more seriously you take fun. You see your growth comes with gladness. And this is why in verse 18, Paul writes, give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And the more you become like Christ, the more joyful you become. This is the life that Christ wants us to model. Now, this doesn't mean that we are blind to the sorrows of life. It doesn't mean that we are in denial of the pain of others. It means we can cultivate an attitude of gratitude in every situation. In the highs, we can thank God for the blessings. In the lows, we can thank God for the lessons. Experts who study resilience and grit believe that gritty people have one thing in common. They see setbacks as setups for growth. Failure is not a person. It is only an event. John Maxwell says, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn. Today, I believe God is saying to someone right now, your failure is not permanent. You can get back up. You can get back on because God is for you and he's with you. This is why the opposite of joy is not sorrow, but hopelessness. God gives us hope to carry on, to learn our mistakes, to leave our past behind and to run toward an exciting future of joy. How do we give thanks? Well, practically, I think there are three things. Firstly, count the blessings. I find it helpful on some days when I really struggle with joy to actually write down the blessings I can name in my life on a piece of paper. Number two, remember the breakthroughs. Reflect on the wins in your previous struggles. Has there been a victory in your life you didn't stop to thank God for? Thank God for those past victories. Number three, celebrate what's better. Joy is a focus. What's growing in your life? Take a moment to enjoy the moment. So rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. These are the three secrets to joy. But here's the most surprising thing of all. Having joy is not an act of selfishness. It's an act of obedience. Paul writes, do these three things because this is the will of God for you. When you cultivate joy, you are obeying the will of God. He is glorified in your delight. So today, would you take that step of obedience? Would you step into his joy? Let's pray. You may want to raise your hands right now just as an act of receiving the joy of the Lord. It's both a gift and a practice 
but first we must receive. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you into our lives. We enter into your presence. We thank you that you are for us and with us all the time. And right now, wherever we're at, whenever we're watching this, I pray that you would fill our hearts with joy. We thank you that it's not a naive happiness, but a resilient hope. And so we welcome you.